Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet with more than 4 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. Do you know what you should be doing and yet you don't do it? In this episode, we dig into the science behind why this happens and how exactly you can overcome this massive obstacle. No one is ever actually stuck, but the reason you feel stuck is because what you want, your goals, desires, changes you want to make in your life, etc., are bumping up against an emotional roadblock or subconscious belief. It's like having one foot on the gas while the other is slamming down the brakes. In this interview with Dr. Sasha Hines, we share what you can do to finally overcome that fear and anxiety and transform your life. I'm going to tell you why you've been missing out on some incredibly cool stuff if you haven't signed up for our email list yet. All you have to do to sign up is to go to successpodcast.com and sign up right on the homepage. On top of tons of subscriber-only content, exclusive access, and live Q&As with previous guests, monthly giveaways, and much more, I also created an epic free video course just for you. It's called How to Create Time for What Matters Most Even When You're Really Busy. Email subscribers have been raving about this guide. You can get all of that and much more by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage or by texting the word SMARTER to the number 44222 on your phone. If you like what I do on Science of Success, my email list is the number one way to engage with me and go deeper on what I discuss on the show, including free guides, actionable takeaways, exclusive content, and much, much more. Sign up for my email list today by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. Or if you're on the go, if you're on your phone right now, it's even easier. 
Just text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. I can't wait to show you all the exciting things you'll get when you sign up and join the email list. Do you feel like you don't have enough time and you're constantly in a state of reacting to external stimulus? How do you conduct a powerful monthly review that will unlock opportunities for growth, focus, and improvement? In our previous episode, we went deep into stacking powerful mental models, harnessing best practices, and optimizing your life with our previous guest, Sebastian Marshall. If you want to free up your time and focus on what really matters, check out that interview. Now for our conversation with Sasha. Today, we have another exciting guest on the show, Dr. Sasha Hines. Sasha is a developmental psychologist and life coach and an expert in positive psychology, lasting behavioral change, and the science of getting unstuck. She received her BA from Harvard, her PhD in developmental psychology from Columbia, and her master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also served as a faculty member. Sasha, welcome to the Science of Success. Hi, so happy to be here. Well, we're super excited to have you on the show today. There's so many different topics that you dig into and talk about that I think will be really relevant for our audience. And, you know, to start out, there's one kind of phrase that I pulled from your website that I thought was great and was really interesting, which was education is good, application is better, transformation is best. And I think that's so true because so many people, and I mean, I think I know I'm even guilty of this a lot of the times, and many podcast listeners probably feel the same way. It's so easy to get stuck in the trap of feeling like you're doing something because you're educating yourself and you're learning. And yet, if you don't ever apply anything, you know, does it really even matter? Does it really make a meaningful difference in your life? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I say <laughs> I say that as a professional student, right? <laughs> I was a professional student in my life for many, many years. So when you do a terminal degree, you're in school for a very long time. And there is, I think my interest, you know, I'm obviously my my love is positive psychology and to study happiness is is it's like it's pretty good work if you can get it <laughs> it's really fun to study but when i was teaching at penn and after i graduated from penn i was then got my degree in developmental psych in what we call in psychology we call this sort of like business as usual well the positive psychologists call <laughs> this business as usual psychology meaning that the focus is not on health and well-being the focus is on mitigating, you know, pathology, disease disorder, right? Dysfunction. So it's, it's more in alignment with, you know, sort of like the Western medical model. And when I went to Columbia to study for my doctorate, all of a sudden I sort of felt myself like slipping back into some, you know, just sort of not exercising, not sleeping, you know, well, all the sort of behaviors that we know optimize our health and well-being. And I was sort of in this, you know, what we call the neurotic paradox, like I know what to do, yet I'm not doing it. And which was so frustrating. And I was in this place of thinking, I know more than almost anyone on the planet, like what makes people happy? What makes people thrive? I study this. And yet I can't seem to apply it. And not only did I find that I was struggling with this, but so were my students, you know, they had a theoretical understanding of health and well-being, you know, and what we call optimal human functioning. And yet, you know, they were struggling with just life and the sort of everyday mundane reality of life. And so then I became really interested. I sort of my interest shifted more to behavioral change. Like, wait, 
what are the roadblocks between like, I know what I'm supposed to do and yet I'm not getting them done. And I think you can kind of use podcasts and reading books, self-help books and all that is an, in a way it's almost like an emotional Novocaine. <laughs> like it makes you feel better, but you're not doing anything. So yeah, it's an issue, right? Like how do you actually apply? You're not going to transform your life unless you're doing it, right? Unless you're applying what you know. And I think that's where most people, you know, find there's a roadblock there for most people. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I love the the idea of the neurotic paradox, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a great quote. I don't know if that's actually from the researcher. You just coined that phrase, but either way, it's a no, great... No, no, no. I, I didn't make that up. It's a, it's a psychological term. Oh, yes. nice. Even better. Right? Okay, cool. Well, we'll throw But if some... you think about it, like it's it's something that's, you know, just been talked about for thousands of years. Like this is, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, this is a human condition of, I know not to yell at my kids and yet I'm doing it anyway, right? I know that doesn't help and yet I can't, you know, I can't, I'm not responding to them calmly or like, I know that getting to bed earlier makes me feel better tomorrow. And yet it's midnight and I'm watching something on Netflix, right. Or scrolling Instagram. Like it's death by a thousand cuts in our life, right. It's these little things that add up to a really messy, chaotic life. And I want to dig into this question more because it's, it's, so prevalent. It's such a major challenge. And I mean, if you think about it, it's almost never, you had another great phrase, optimal human functioning. I really like that Mm -hmm. as well, is almost never a question of getting more information or finding this new secret hack that, you know, you've never heard of before that if you just, you know, do this one tiny little thing, it's going to change your whole life. It's almost always about just executing the basics, executing the fundamentals, getting more sleep, exercising, maybe meditating, things like that. And yet most people know that and they don't do it. Why not? Well, a number of reasons. But I mean, I think, you know, first of all, you have to understand the biography of your belief systems, right? You have to understand because the way that your brain works is you have a thought, right? So there's events in your life, facts. I call them facts with my clients. They're just the facts like I'm 40. I, you know, where you live, are you married? Do you have kids? What happened that day? Did someone cut you off in traffic and you know, whatever, did you get a flat tire today? Whatever's happening. Those are just the facts. They're all neutral, all of them. And the facts of our life then trigger a belief. Your past is fact. Things that happen to you, they trigger belief, right? So the beliefs that you have then create your emotions So whatever your beliefs are, create your emotions, and then your emotions then generate action. So what most people don't realize is that they're like, well, I just, (laughs) you know, your beliefs matter. Yes, they matter a lot because they create this whole cascade of effects, right? But what's really important is that your beliefs create an emotion. And the emotion is what's motivating the action. So what like the absolute sort of like core of it is your emotion, like your thoughts only matter because they create your emotions. So if you're, you know, thinking things all day long that make you anxious and stressed and worried, right? Like all of your actions are going to be generated from those emotions. So when you're wanting to change, right? It's like your neocortex, your sort of higher functioning brain is saying like, yes, I sincerely desperately want to change this. But there's other parts of your brain that 
unfortunately, our, your emotional brain is, is like, it's much more powerful than your logical brain. It's just the way that human brains are designed and have evolved to be. So your emotional brain is much more powerful. So if your emotional brain is like, yeah, but that sounds really scary. <laughs> I do not, you know, like, I don't know about that. That's unfamiliar. No, thank you. You are going to be in that kind of churn cycle of like, oh, I really want to do it. And yet I'm not right. Which is, you feel like you're constantly in Groundhog's Day. So what you really need to be working on is the emotional piece of it, which is challenging for most people. Most people do not want to sit in their negative emotions. No, thanks. Yeah, that's a great insight. So unpacking that or kind of rephrasing it so that I understand it clearly. The idea is that, and I also really, really like that phrase, the biography of your beliefs, mm -hmm. your, your belief structures about the world, about the events that have happened in your past, et cetera, shape the way that you perceive the world. And if you're stuck in a cycle of whether it's self-sabotage or knowing what you should be doing and yet you're not doing it, the first place to start, the best place to really begin that investigation is what are my belief structures? How are my emotions impacting this? And how can I start to unpack these things so that I can create a path to move forward? I think the main point is like we live in a culture now that I think people are beginning to understand, oh, your thoughts matter. Your thoughts are really important. Your thoughts create your reality. Indeed, they do. But there are mediators. And I really believe that the mediator that like your emotion is the main mediator. And that's really what matters, right? Like the reason you feel stuck, no one's ever actually stuck because we're always developing and evolving and growing. But the reason you feel stuck is because you're what you want, you know, your yearning or your desire or the, the change you want to make is bumping up against an emotion. And that emotion that's like the, the roadblock of that emotion, whether it's like anxiety or fear or doubt or insecurity, right? That's created by some underlying belief system that you probably picked up as a kid that you may not even be conscious of. But the reasons that your thoughts matter is not because your thoughts are just made up sentences in your brain. They're all made up. All of our thoughts are. They don't really matter. But the reason that, that we want to pay attention to what your thoughts are is because they create our emotions. So once you begin to see thoughts in this way, you're like, oh, thoughts are just things I picked up. It's like there was like a, you know, a, <laughs> a grab bag of beliefs that I could have picked up as a kid. And I picked up these ones. When you begin to realize that they're optional, that's when your life begins to change. Yeah, that's another great insight. And I love this notion that nobody's ever actually stuck, but yet mm -mm. it really feels like you're stuck. Yes, really feels like you're stuck. It absolutely can feel like you're stuck, but no one's, you're always in a process of change. The question is like, are you actively engaging and directing that change or are you just kind of passively you know, a bystander, right? You feel like your life is happening to you and you're not actively participating in it. So, you know, to be, you know, in terms of like your mental fitness and thinking about creating the life you want, what you want to be doing is actively engaging in this process of change, right? And that's the two, like the critical thing is figuring out is really getting to know your emotions, like the litmus test of your understanding what your beliefs are. Like if you want to know why you're not moving forward, pay attention to what you're feeling, right? Like, oh, I feel really anxious. Okay, wait, what's the thought that I've picked up that's creating that anxiety? I'm not smart enough, not competent enough, right? I don't have enough education or whatever the thought that you picked up over the years. And then you begin to realize like, oh, 
those thoughts are actually just totally optional. And this is then that becomes the work, right? The work is as an adult, you're like, you realize you have the autonomy to decide what you want to believe about yourself, right? And that your thoughts are actually quite flexible, right? But that your thoughts really matter. The reason that your thoughts matter is because they activate an emotion and the emotion is what's generating your action. So this like, there's this little sneaky little mediator and it's called emotions. <laughs> like you got to get that figured out. And that's what I think when people get stuck in this place of in the self-help world where they're like, wait, I'm saying all these new beliefs to myself. I'm doing all these affirmations and I'm like trying to put on a new belief system, but they don't really believe it. So the emotion's not there, right? So then they're not really seeing any transformation and change. So it feels like it's not working, right? Because it's not, your thoughts aren't actually what create your actions. It's the emotion that creates your actions. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's how it works. That totally makes sense. I want to dig into the process of how do we actively engage in changing our thoughts and beliefs and emotions. But before we do, I want to unpack a little bit more this relationship between emotions and beliefs because mm -hmm. sometimes I think they can be used synonymously, but they're distinct, they're different. And tell me, what's the distinction between an emotion versus a belief and how do they interact with each other? Well, I mean, I think they're directly related, right? Because your belief is what's going to generate the emotion, right? It sort of like creates this like chemical cascade that creates that sensation in your body, right? That feeling of like, ooh, I feel sad. I feel anxious. I feel elated and joyful, right? Those are physical feelings that are generated by your thoughts, right? With the exception of well, even physical pain, right? There's a signal that's going to your brain and your brain is telling you this is painful. So your beliefs are what are generating your emotions always. But the thing is so wild, right? Is that we do all sorts of crazy things to avoid feeling our feelings. So all of this, like most of people that most of this entire process for, mo for most people, like 90% of this is unconsciously happening. Yeah. And I feel like so many people in today's world and probably throughout history, but in today's world, especially I meet and interact with so many people who aren't even aware of this iceberg under the surface, all the subconscious feelings, thoughts, beliefs, things that are interacting with the way that they think and feel and behave in the world. How do you start to peel back the layers? How do you start to engage with those emotions? Because as you said, we'll do all kinds of crazy stuff to avoid feeling our emotions and, and whether mm -hmm. that's impulsively turning to things like social media or mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of hedonic pursuits. I see so many people that I feel like they're trapped or they're stuck or they don't even realize what's happening beneath the surface. How do you start to crack through that or blast apart the fog and help them see what's really going on? Right. I mean, it's it interesting, right? We, we live in a world now where it, we have so much more access to what I call emotional Novocaine. So, you know, overeating, over drinking, over shopping, overspending, you know, porn, Instagram, social media, like we have all these ways of just numbing out and avoiding being present. And by the way, it can come in some very innocuous ways. Like, listening to an audiobook with the earbud in your ear while other stuff is going on, right? Just like to not be present. And so I think it takes, you have to consciously engage in this process now. Cause like if you live, you know, 300 years ago, these options weren't available to you, right? You didn't have like a pantry full of food to go 
squirrel away at <laughs> if you were feeling a negative emotion. You didn't have liquor stores everywhere. Like that just didn't exist. So, you know, and like forget the internet, right? It's like a rabbit hole for people. So I think it requires a lot of consciousness to disengage with it. But I used to think of things like in a more linear way. So it was sort of like, okay, heal the neck. You know, if you're thinking about your mental health, it's like on a spectrum and you got, you know, negative 10 is like, you've got, you know, psychological dysfunction and personality disorders and like, you know, addiction and problems, right? On the negative end of the spectrum. And then you get healthier and then you get to zero and then you move on to the sort of let's work on flourishing and cultivating, you know, mental health and well-being. And that's on the positive end of the spectrum. And you sort of linearly like you're moving up this ladder, so to speak, right? To like your mental health and, you know, where you're sort of, and you can think about it in like medical terms, right? Or you know, with your physical health, like, okay, I've got like cancer on the negative end of the spectrum. And then you move into, okay, positive end of the spectrum is like, you know, physical fitness, you know, building muscle, getting healthier, eating well, nutrition, like getting super fit. I used to think of it sort of like with your mind and your mental health, sort of the same kind of linear structure. But I really don't think that that's the way it works at all. I think you got to work on both ends of the spectrum kind of at the same time. So everybody has experienced some kind of trauma in their life. If trauma is something less than nurturing, everybody on the planet has experienced some kind of trauma. It's a part of the human experience. So everybody has wounds that they need to heal from. But the thing that is so interesting is that as you get healthier and as you kind of clean up your life, right? Like you stop over drinking or you start eating more healthfully or you, you know, start sleeping better. And so you feel better. This interesting thing happens. The wounds, the trauma, like the difficult things, the like negative belief systems that are maybe very pervasive in your life, they become easier to access and to sort of deconstruct and work through because you're on a more stable kind of foundation. So I find that they kind of happen together. So as you're working on your mental health and you're kind of getting, you're feeling physically feeling better and taking better care of yourself, it becomes easier to work through like family of origin stuff and things that happen to you and kind of heal those wounds. And I think they kind of, it becomes this like exponential growth right? So because you're healing things as you're also augmenting things at the same time. Yeah, that's a great point. And definitely something that I've experienced personally as well, that it's almost like a compounding effect where these factors start to really stack together and, and mm-hmm. multiply. Yes. And you you start to see some really massive acceleration in your emotional intelligence and self-awareness and all these other things if you start to really do this work while simultaneously taking better care of yourself and every little edge you can get stacking them all together. And as you said, it's not a linear result, but it's a geometric or an exponential result when you do that. Yeah. Because like, as you start to develop your life and moving towards your most valued self, like the person you want to be, it becomes easier for you and you're, you're more able to access like, oh, wow, I see how I developed that belief as a kid. I couldn't even go there. Like that was way too hard for me to even look at that. But as you start to feel more stable and as you start to feel like you're, you know, positively developing in your life, you know, the interesting thing is that you actually can go deeper 
I think, in terms of healing yourself. So like, I really realized it's not a linear progression, like, okay, I'm going to heal my wounds. And then I'm going <laughs> to start like working, you know, towards the life I want. It's like, no, it's all going to happen at the same time. So I want to start to go deeper and more concrete about how to specifically implement and execute some of these things for somebody who's listening to this interview that's mm-hmm. thinking to themselves, okay, yes, I know there's a lot of things I should be doing, but I'm not doing them. Yeah. What are the starting points? What are some of the things they can begin with to implement these ideas? Well, I mean, I think a great place to start is doing, you know, a deep inventory of what is your current belief systems around, you know, what were you taught about yourself as a child? You know, what do you believe about your potential and being very honest about it, really looking at what do I believe about my health? What do I believe about, you know, my competence and my intelligence, my lovability, you know, like how lovable you are or you're just like, you know, sort of a very broad over it's like I call it sort of like you know belief blueprint right like if I'm this is the design of the house you really being honest about those things because what you'll begin to uncover is like oh wow you know I want to be successful and I want to make more money and I have this belief that you know I'll never make a certain amount you might have like a, a ceiling on a belief right that you and then you see it and you're like oh my god where so the first place is to to start looking at like where did I pick that up. You know, like, where did I learn this idea and pick that up in my life? And I think it's really the great place to start is understanding that there's, you know, you have one foot on the gas and that's your neocortex. Like, I, yes, this is the life I want. And then you have one foot on the brake and that's your, you know, your limbic system, your sort of emotional brain saying like, no, that's way too scary. Right. So that's that horrible feeling of like, I'm revving the gas. I've got my foot on the brake and I'm not going anywhere, but I'm expending a ton of energy not a great feeling. So a great place to start is really, and I think it helps having a coach or some, you know, or a psychologist. So somebody's helping you uncover, like, what are those beliefs that are making that emotional brain freak out, right? Sort of what are the like foundational beliefs that make you want to dig your heels in and say like, yeah, we're not doing that. It's a perfect analogy because this notion of your neocortex or your conscious experience of your thinking brain basically saying, I want to improve, I want to grow, I want to do this, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet yep. simultaneously, your subconscious is just mashing the brakes and trying to desperately stop you from doing this because of some sort of belief that could be from 20 plus years ago embedded in your subconscious that is causing you to be scared about something. And it's really hard to uncover those sometimes. Well, like, for example, I had a client who was starting a business and, you know, all the things are in alignment and there's no reason why it's not going to be successful. Like it was on its way to really doing well. But then there was all this sort of self-sabotage going on. It was like, what is this about? And as we were doing the work, what we uncovered was that her father had had a business that had done really, really well. And then he sold it and started a second business. And the second business was a total flop. And in her mind, like this was her second act that was going to be a flop. So even though like she was very excited about it, she's really motivated. She wanted so like her conscious brain really wanted to go after it. Her subconscious brain was like, nah, do not do this because this is going to be, you know, a face plant like your dad had a face plant. And you watch the, you know, as a child, right? She experienced this as a kid watching this happen. And it feels obviously even more intense, right? When you experience that as a kid, because you don't, you know, you don't have, your brain isn't fully developed and you don't know how to sort of 
understand it in the right context. So she had this sort of unconscious process that was like, hey, we're not doing this, which came out in all these weird kind of seemingly bizarre, like, why would I do that? Why would I sabotage myself? Why would I procrastinate on that? Why would I not get this done? Like, why would I blow off this opportunity, right? And it seems so maddening because it doesn't actually make sense. But then when you get to the root of it, you're like, no, it actually makes a lot of sense because you think you're going to have, you know, a professional face plant like your father did, you know, his second act as an entrepreneur. And that's scary to you, right? So the first place is just identifying it. And then it's about questioning all those thoughts, right? Like all of those thoughts are made up. It's completely irrational that the thing that happened to her dad is going to happen to her, like different business, different era, like this, everything is different, right? Why would they be the same? Why would those two situations happen in the same way? They, it's very unlikely, right? But that doesn't matter. Like her 13-year-old brain picked that up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. 
Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. It's fascinating too because I like the framework that you just presented, which is the idea of starting with an inventory of these thoughts. And then once you've collected them, going through a process to break them down. Mm -hmm. Even step one seems logical, seems obvious, seems relatively straightforward. It's actually really hard work and you need you need to take some meaningful steps to start to do that, whether it's a tool. And this is my own experience and I'm curious what yours has been. But you know, for me, things like meditation help to start to build that listening device inside of your head where you can actually hear what you're thinking mm-hmm. and saying to yourself. Because without something like that, you never have the ability to capture those thoughts when they happen in the moment. Or, you know, something else, as you mentioned, things like coaching, therapy, et cetera, help sort of put a mirror up to that. And you can start to pull out and see some of those thought and behavior patterns. Oh, absolutely. It's very, very difficult to capture the thought that's driving your emotions and behavior in real time. It's very hard. So what I would say to my client is you're going to notice either the emotion or more likely the behavior first right? So you're going to be, you're going to be way down the rabbit hole of like surfing the web and be like, wait, what am I doing? Right? I'm supposed to be working on something else. You'll notice the behavior first. Like, wait, what am I doing here? And then that's the perfect moment to say like, okay, if my behavior, right, is a result of my emotions and my emotions are a result of my belief, like let's work backwards and figure out what I'm thinking that's creating this action. Right. And that sounds very laborious and to some degree it is, but it becomes a practice. So you catch yourself procrastinating on something and then, you know, you have that moment of pause like, okay, whoa, 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 I'm procrastinating. What, why? Right. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Ooh, didn't realize I was feeling anxious, but I'm totally feeling anxious, which is why I'm distracting myself with inane stuff on like reading nonsense on the internet. Okay. Wait, what am I telling myself right now? That's making me feel anxious. Right. It actually takes like 30 seconds to do this. And just that process of, it's a mindfulness practice really, but it's just a process of stopping and saying, wait a minute, you know, like reverse engineering it back to the thought. Like, what am I thinking that's generating this whole cascade of effects? And then you might realize like, oh, my thought is, you know, let's say you're writing a piece or something and your thought is like, my writing is hackneyed. Someone said this before. This is an original. It's not as good as so-and-so. Like you'll begin to see, oh, those are the thoughts right? And then if you kind of peel it back, you might find that, oh, there is this underlying thought that I'm not smart enough. Whoa, (laughs) where did that come from, right? Like, and you may even be aware of it. And so once you become aware of it, you're like, oh, that's my story that I'm not smart enough. And then you can get better at just allowing that belief to be there and still taking the action, right? And that's like the next step of the practice is recognizing like, oh, there is my story that I learned when I was 10, you know, that I'm not smart enough and I'm just going to allow it to be there because I made it up. It felt true, you know? And the funny thing is, and it's always really, I mean, this work is hysterical because our brains are so irrational. But I mean, the thing that's so funny is that my clients will argue to the hilt 
that they're right. They're like, no, I'm really not smart enough. Let me tell you why. <laughs> like the only thing that's happened here is that you picked up this thought as a child and then you've just confirmed it over the years because that's how your brain works, right? We call it attention bias, cognitive bias, confirmation bias, all the same thing. It's just the way your brain works. Like what you believe you are biased to prove right. So when someone's like, yeah, but I have so much evidence that I'm not smart enough. I'm like, right. Cause you believe that. And you just spent your entire life proving that true to yourself, but it's not actually true. On what objective scale are we actually measuring that? There isn't even any academic consensus on like, how do we actually measure intelligence? Like there's your G, you know, like your G score, your, your general IQ, but there's a lot of other, you know, other voices in the field saying like, wait a minute, there's other kinds of intelligence that aren't reflected in an IQ test. Right. And I think everyone in who lives life <laughs> would be like, right, that's true. There are many forms of being bright or being intelligent or being competent. So once you start to sort of, you know, question these beliefs, they don't ring true. Like there's not much veracity there. But you have to be you have to be willing to engage in the process of questioning them. But I mean, so many of my clients hold on to their beliefs. Like I would tell them, I'm like, you're like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, right? You're like holding on my precious and you don't want to let them go, right? You're like, no, I, I'm really not smart enough. And it's like, it's destroying you. And yet you don't want to let it go. <laughs> it's crazy. So many good insights. And, you know, the notion that asking yourself, if, if you're doing something you don't want to be doing and you're in the middle of that behavior, just pausing for a moment and reflecting and, and asking, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And the question to ask is not just why am I doing this? Because I think that like people will answer, I have no idea. And that's what most people would answer. I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this. The question that I would suggest asking yourself is, what am I feeling right now that's making me do this? Like this behavior is because of emotion. I'm doing this behavior because of an emotion I'm feeling. What's the emotion I'm feeling? Is it, you know, and if it's, procrastination, I would say like, eh, fairly likely it's some variety of anxiety, right? It's like fear, anxiety, worry, right? Those are the negative emotions. It's called like the thought action repertoire, like essentially with a negative emotion, the action that comes out of a negative emotion is very narrow. So like you feel fear, you're going to do a few very specific actions, right? You're going to fight, flight, or freeze. That's it. There's really not much else you're going to do. You're not going to like self-reflect if you're feeling fear. That's not going to happen. So normally you can start to, you know, you can catch on to yourself pretty quickly. Like, oh yeah, this is what I do when I'm feeling anxious or, oh right, this is what I do when I'm feeling scared. And you can begin to pay attention to these patterns and you can begin to kind of like, you're on to yourself. But that's always the question I would ask is, wait, when you're doing something that you don't want to be doing, it's like, what am I feeling this action is trying to mitigate that feeling, right? So then the question is, what's, what am I feeling? Is it, you know, fear, anxiety, stress, boredom, loneliness? And then you get better at recognizing your specific patterns. Yeah, that's a great framework and, and super helpful. You know, you made another really interesting point a minute ago, which is this notion around rationalization, right? And mm -hmm. how the human brain is incredibly irrational and yet we can rationalize really almost anything to ourselves regardless of how absurd it is and then start stacking up evidence so that we believe it, whether it's a belief about ourselves, a belief about other people, a belief about the world, et cetera. 
you know, one of my favorite little play on words is just to turn the word rationalize into the word rational lies. And, you know, that always helps me start to every time I'm rationalizing something, and I'm sure there's millions of times where I don't even realize it, but whenever I catch myself rationalizing something, I always try to break that down and say, hold on a second, how am I BSing myself here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is just the way your brain is, you know, it's just the way that your brain is wired, right? This is what we call, like, as I said, attention bias or confirmation bias. And they've done a lot of studies on this that show, you know, they look at a group of smokers and non-smokers and they have everyone read a study on smoking. And on the follow-up, you know, they were asked to recall what they had read and the smokers remembered the flaws of the study and the non-smokers remembered the findings. Because the findings were, you know, smoking, shocker, smoking is bad for you. But in any research study, they're always going to describe the flaws, right? There's not a single research study that doesn't have some kind of problem with it, right? Not perfect. So the smokers were, they are like a heat-seeking missile to uh, trying to find evidence that what they're doing isn't that bad for them, right? And a non-smoker isn't invested in that. A non-smoker is invested in, yeah, smoking's not good for you. I'm right. So, you know, when they do studies like this, it's really fascinating to see, like, depending on what your belief, you know, going into it is, determines what you remember about what you just read. I mean, think about this in terms of our political system and, right? It's like, yeah, you see how it bifurcates and how we have such a partisan world right now. Well, right. That's your brain is sort of wired to do that. It's difficult for your brain to do the other thing, which is approach something more neutrally and look at something objectively. That's difficult for us. And you brought up a really interesting point in the pre-show that we were talking about that this directly relates to, which is this notion that there's many different ways, and you just gave a great example of it, that our brains basically short circuit or go haywire in modern society. Tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, you know, like we want to always conserve energy, right? That's what the human brain wants to do. We want to conserve energy. We want to avoid pain and we want to seek pleasure, right? So the emotional triad. So we live in a world where that's really easy to do. And corporations put billions of dollars into research and development to take advantage of that, you know, the motivational triad. Like how do we make things as easy as possible, as pleasurable as possible, Right. And so it becomes very difficult for our brain to not gravitate towards those things. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to buy something at a convenience store that's like has lots of fat, has lots of sugar, calorie dense. Your brain's all over that. Right. Because it's like, oh, I don't have to work hard to fuel my body. Yes. That was very adaptive a thousand years ago, but not now. Not when you have you know, a smorgasbord of options in front of you. It's actually very maladaptive nowadays because of the way that we live. But if you're in a hunter-gatherer society and you're, I mean, which is the way that human beings have been for most of history, you know, the way we live is very new, very modern. But if you're even in a sort of like agricultural society, same thing, which is finding food and putting something on the table takes an enormous amount of energy. It's hard. So a calorie dense food that's going to give you a lot of fat, a lot of nu- a lot of nutrition, a lot of calories easily. Yeah, like you're adapted to want to have that. So we live in a world where all of this is very accessible to us and so 
like we're required to be conscious in a way that I don't think that any other generation has had to do. For the first generation, maybe the second generation, that's had to motivate itself to move. That's crazy. So we're like in a brave new world of having to, like managing your mind, in my opinion, is going to be the currency of the next generation because we live in a world that requires it. You know, even something as simple as social media, right, or the news, et cetera, those are such dangerous things in today's world because they're essentially engineered to hijack your brain. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And the people that design it essentially say that, right? <laughs> like we created this to make you want to stay on it, right? To like have eyeballs on this as long as we possibly can. That's how we designed it, right? We know enough about the way your brain works that we, you know, we know how to get the dopamine hits, right? So your brain's like, yes, more and more and more. So, you know, it requires consciousness to live today in a way that this is a really new challenge. It's a really new challenge for human beings. I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting challenge to solve, but it requires a lot of consciousness because you can distract yourself now. You can distract yourself all day. So how do we, in a world of infinite distraction where our brains are constantly being hijacked, what are some of the beginning steps to start to cultivate more awareness, more mindfulness, more peace, more understanding of ourselves? I think that using that sort of mindfulness tool of figuring out like, wait, what am I doing? You know, asking myself, what's the emotion I'm feeling? And then one more step back would be, okay, what's the thought that's creating this emotion? Just that little pause just to wake you up. So you're scrolling Instagram and then that question is like, wait a minute, what am I doing? What's the emotion I'm feeling? Is it boredom? Is it anxiety, right? That's just like you're in that kind of trance of scrolling. So pausing and just go, you know, what's the emotion I'm feeling? What's the thought that's creating that emotion? And just kind of waking yourself up, I think is incredibly helpful. Another thing I think is an important thing to do too, is becoming more fluent in your emotions. And part of that means just being willing to experience your emotions. You know, there's emerging research that shows that emotions are really only experienced if you don't resist them and you just allow them to kind of roll over you. Like it's like a surfing a wave. You're just going to allow your emotion to happen and just observe it and feel it. They last about 90 seconds. So Anything that you want to achieve, anything that you want to do, growth and development are going to require uncomfortable emotions. That's the deal. There's no way around it. So becoming more fluent in your emotions and being more willing to sit in those emotions and experience like, ooh, I'm feeling anxiety. I'm just going to let myself feel anxiety and pay attention to it. Where am I feeling it in my body? And allow it to kind of roll over you. It's going to last like on average about 90 seconds which is unbelievable how short that is. I think about anxiety all the time because I think I'm wired more to be on the anxious end of things. But, and I think, goodness gracious, like think about, since my like 50s vocabulary, but like think about all the things that you do to avoid feeling anxious all day. Nuts, all day long, right? People hate feeling anxious because it doesn't feel good. It's like, you know, that fluttery kind of like, your palms are sweaty or whatever. You feel, just does not feel good. You feel a little bit out of your body. So we do all these things to avoid feeling anxious. But if you just allow yourself to have a moment of anxiety, it really is just that. It's just a moment. It's like two minutes, you know, less than two minutes. So 
I think that like that's when you begin to realize like, oh, if I can just allow myself to feel this feeling and don't engage in this emotional Novocaine behavior to avoid these feelings like, oh, I'm gonna, then I'm going to be moving towards the life I really want. But that's the cost of admission. Yeah, that's a great quote as well. Growth and development requires uncomfortable emotions, right? You have to push into those. Have to. And if you're not, if you're hiding from them, you're going to be trapped in a cycle of self-sabotage and repeating the same mistakes and failures over and over again. Yeah. And don't kid yourself. That's also incredibly painful too. It's just a more familiar discomfort. So it's like you're either going to be passively feeling discomfort or sort of like your familiar discomfort, or you're going to be on purposely feeling discomfort and moving towards your most valued self and the goals that you want to achieve, right? So, I mean, like when I work with my clients, I'm like, hey, it's a hard sell, right? I want you to have the life you really want. But what I'm selling you on is feeling pretty crappy. <laughs> You're going to feel, it's not going to feel amazing in like in the interim, right? It's going to feel uncomfortable, scary, frightening, right? It's, it's like, you're going to feel like you're jumping off a cliff. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think in many ways, that's why so few people truly walk down the path of self-awareness and emotional intelligence and really digging into mm -hmm. all of these challenges. Definitely. Cause it's like, okay, here's your option. You know, I can distract myself on my phone or I can sit with feeling anxiety for two minutes. Right. I mean, it logically it's like, well, duh, obviously just sit with anxiety for two minutes and then go on doing what you want to actually want to do. But in the moment, your brain is like, no way. I'd way rather just like dig, put my head in my phone and distract myself. So the better you get at sort of interrupting that habit, the better. So you shared a number of different strategies, tactics, things listeners can execute and implement in their lives. If there was one of the things you talked about today that you want someone to do as a piece of homework to begin implementing some of these ideas, where can they start as soon as they finish listening to this interview or today or tomorrow to begin this journey? I think the, the first thing I would say is to start to pay attention and make a list of all the things that you do to avoid feeling your feelings. So let me put it another way, which is what are the things that you do that seem completely bonkers? Like you have very clear goals, you have clear values, you know, like who you want to be. And yet you do all of these things that seem completely contradictory. You know, they seem like it's like times negative one, right? They don't make any sense. They're moving in the opposite direction. So just take an inventory of what are those behaviors, right? Whether it's like, I really want to be fit and healthy and I blow off going to the gym, like put that down, right? So it's like writing an inventory of like, what are the things I'm doing that are sabotaging the goals that I have for myself and who I actually want to be, how I want to show up in the world. And looking at those behaviors, like what are you doing? What are you not doing? Make an honest list of those things. And then looking at that, like what is the emotion, right? What's the emotion that's motivating those? Just start there. What's the emotion that's motivating those behaviors? Great piece of advice and great starting step. I think that's really, really good. So Sasha, where can listeners find you and your work online? On my website, they can find me at drsashahines, so D-R-S-A-S-H-A-H-E-I-N-Z.com. And then on Instagram, same handle. So at dr 
Sasha Hines, S-A-S-H-A. H-E-I-N-Z. And that's on Instagram. I'm on Facebook (laughs) reluctantly. I don't really have much of a presence on Facebook. I'm mostly on Instagram. And you can follow my, you know, beliefs that I have that I'm trying to kind of, I think of it like, you know, I don't know, I'm a child of the the 80s. So I think it's like the Kool-Aid commercials, you know, like the Kool-Aid man, he's like jumping through the paper, (laughs) whatever he bursts through. And I think about that with our beliefs. It's like, what are the beliefs that are on my list of like, you know, these are just things that I picked up over time. I'm not good at this. I'm not good enough at that. Or I'm, you know, it's just the way that I am. Like, what are those beliefs? And then just, I think, you know, one of the things that I love to do in my life, and I feel like it's sort of, you know, my reason to be, it's like, look at those beliefs and then which one of them do I want to bust through? You know, instead of a New Year's resolution, it's like, what belief system do I want to completely obliterate? Great feedback, great advice once again. And Sasha, thank you so much for coming on the show, so for, for sharing all this wisdom, all this knowledge, a fascinating conversation, tons and tons of great insights into how to dig into your own beliefs and thoughts and emotions and what might be holding you back. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you for letting me geek out on this. It's so fun. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created this show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or If you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.